Welcome to the DCCC Youth Podcast. This podcast is from our series on love in 1 John, I Heart, and features teaching on how to love God. Well, thank you so much for this morning, and we ask that during this time you would open our hearts to you. Craziness, we're switching it today. Um, to give those of you who no longer come on Friday, <laughs> a taste of what's going on on Friday. Um, we've been in the New Testament for like an eternity. Um, it feels like to me, at least. So we're going to do something a little different today, since that is like more academic. We're going to do our Friday lesson today instead. So. What? Yes, because so many people came on Friday. Um, if you look at your, if you actually turn back one handout, if you go to the one before, um, I have a little, I don't know if I did it in the right order or not. But we covered, uh, we're in First John, it's called I Heart. We're talking about love in First John. And so the first lesson was, oh, right, pens. Not everyone has pens on them, right? The first... The first lesson was on not loving the world. Um, and you can see the verse there. If he's uh, on the right page. It says, it talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So we talked about what does the world offer us when we're looking for joy or truth. And from that verse we learned that the world offers us um, Decoys, lures, and useless prizes is what we talked about. Um, so it offers us things that look good, that look like what we want, but ultimately they're empty. It offers us. <laughs> it offers us things that look good or look like what we want, but ultimately they're just decoys. They're not going to fulfill us. It offers us lures, things that are shiny that look like what we want. Again, they don't fulfill us. And useless prizes whether it's success or it's possessions or whatever it is, they're not going to bring us the happiness that we want. And so that's what we talked about previously. So we're talking about loving. Um, probably if I were to redo this, I would do this lesson first. But we're, in this series, we're talking about love in First John because he talks a lot about love. So don't love the world. We're going to talk about love God today. We're going to talk about God's love coming up soon and then loving others from that. Um, so love is a huge, huge... Um, important thing in First John. So our series is I Heart, as you see. So as we're talking about this issue, I have a couple verses here that I think are really important um, from First John. He says, This is love for God to obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And also First John 2.15 Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Connecting it back to the, the passage we studied before. So, question for you. I have a big box there for you. You can kind of fill it in on your own, and then we can share our answers. But, what is love? <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Don't put that in the box. Uh, that's exactly what <laughs> No. I should have put a note. Do not put, Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. <laughs> what is love? Define love for me. Okay. It doesn't, doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be right. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> No. Define. Come up with a definition for love, okay. and do not check the, def- the dictionary in a broken iPod. I'm gonna take that thing away from you every time you come in here. Every single time. 
You're going to fail at life because you don't know any of the answers yourself. Let me consult my iPod. <laughs> What is right now? What do you define love? Right, your definition of love in there. That's your I have the song stuck in my head. What is love? It hurt me. Should have had it playing during the time. What? Oh. Do you have all of your definitions of love? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you guys all done? Yeah, all done. Does anyone want to share? <laughs> When you move and people um, actually care about you and they don't want you to be lonely and and that you make friends for the first time and they really care about you. That's kind of a narrow definition because if I don't move, I can't be loved. <laughs> no, no, I mean like it's... But personally, that's a good example. Yeah. Oh, I can just imagine what it's like to have you in a classroom. <laughs> no, I just had so many. There's always like three, like you in a class. Who like writes a, a book for the answer? Boy, you know exactly what you want to hear. Um, any, any other definitions? I had this girl in China. She did a presentation on mythology, and I gave her a 39 out of 40, and she cried. <laughs> it's so much worse there than it is here. Like, you know, like they're grading system. Well, see, the thing is about my class is that <laughs> my class, my English oral class to them, is worth 10% of their total English grade. They could literally get a zero in my class and get an A in their English class. So imagine how that must have been for me. What would you do if you knew that? We're just like, dear God, let our students not realize this fact. <laughs> and they did, and it was bad. Really? Yeah. What did they do? They just didn't care. No one ever cared. It's like setting us up to fail to do that to us. Yes? This one Asian college student who was rumored to never have a B in his life. So, um, on an exam, he got a B, and he got so upset that he tried to jump off one of the buildings. Yes, so much. That happens a lot in China. Always jump off the buildings. That's true. 
No, it's true. It happened like, at the college campus right by us. Like I jump out like, it, it happened at one of the schools that our teachers. I, I brought it up last year, I think. Yeah. The fireplace, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's because in the movies, they're always doing that. It's Chinese movies. Ancient China, they're like, ah, jumping out windows. Like, <laughs> one of the girls jumps out windows like five times. Like, these things are going to happen. But they always lay on their feet. Safe and sound. Anyway, we're getting completely distracted. Does anyone else have a definition for love? Boaz? Wow, that was a great student number two. <laughs> the the emotion of human nature that binds two people together, allowing them to experience the happiness of life. Basically, that's pretty good. Anyone else? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, we're going to be talking about love, and if obviously a couple weeks ago during my sermon I talked a little bit about love and what the Bible says about love, but um, specifically we're talking about love for God, and this is really a difficult topic to talk about in a lot of ways. Um, C.S. Lewis, which you guys all know I love C.S. Lewis, but he wrote a book called The Four Loves, which is actually really The Five Loves, because he talks, he's got like a preface and he talks about one of them. Um, for like likings and loves for things that aren't human like I love wine I love dogs <laughs> and stuff uh, it was part of that but there's the preface is actually called likings and loves for the subhuman some of them don't have it oh did you? specifically I remember the wine example but yeah you can have affection you can have friendship you can have romantic love, and then you can have charity. And we don't usually use charity very much anymore, but it's uh, not like you give to charity, but like love that isn't romantic or any of those other things. It's uh, usually called Christian love. But when we talk about love for God, it's really a difficult topic because, um, like it says in the Bible, you have not seen him, yet you love him. Like, what does love for God really mean? And how can we love God? Because I know that it's really easy to come away from an application, from a sermon with the application, I need to love God more. But what the heck does that mean? Like, honestly, how are we going to measure that? I feel like I love God more today than yesterday a little bit. Um, how, can, how do you really know that? What does it mean to love God? Um, and this, this is something we really talk about a lot. Like later, again, in this series, we'll be talking about God's love and, and a lot of other things. But... Um, it gives us a lot of interesting ways to think about it. But as we think about this issue, uh, what is love? The first thing we want to talk about is, first, you must know God to love Him. You can't love someone you don't know. Like, let's say there's someone out there in the world. I, I know there is someone out there in the world because my roommate know him, knew him named Devich Parvotnik. Awesome name. Right? I cannot love Devich Farbotnik because I do not know him. There's no way for me to say I love Devich Farbotnik because all I know is his name and I know that he's out there and he exists. But I don't know him in any way. Um, so obviously the, the prerequisite, the required thing you need to love someone is to know them. Now let's say you, you love your friend. Um, I love you, Jesse. Thank you. Now, when I first came, and I gave my little, um, like a couple years ago, and I gave my little sermon thingy on Habakkuk, and you're all like, why is he talking about Habakkuk? 
Um, I could not say that I loved Jesse in any meaningful way because I had no idea. I mean, I knew who he was, but I didn't know him. Can I love Jesse really as much as I love my wife? No. Aww. I'm sorry, Jesse. I'm sorry. Because uh, aren't you glad I'm using you for an example involving no, love, you don't and, love, love and right? not kicking you in the face? But I can't. I, I don't know Jesse as well as I know Rachel, and so it doesn't matter. Even like I know this uh, whole love at first sight thing, you know, whatever. That I don't know if you, if it's seriously love at first sight. It's more attraction, not love. Um, so let's. We just got to get our, our terms straight. So we must know God to love Him. So we need more words for love in well, we need to use the words we have. That's the problem. Yeah, I get that straight. It's like in 1984. You know how, did you guys oh read that? How they, they have like half the words. Uh-huh. They limit people's vocabulary, so it limits their thinking. Oh, what was it called? It's true. Speak? It's true. Uh, what was it? Yeah, it was like, uh, yeah. Uh, good speak, something like that. They, didn't, they limited, in that book, they limit people's words so that it limits their thoughts. And it's just true, like, like how Eskimos or whatever, how Inuits, sorry, um, have like 43 words for snow. They can think much more deeply about snow than we can. It's, it's just the way it is. Like, right, right. Like when it's soft and fluffy, it's a different word than when it's like crunchy. Lots of words for snow. But they only have like one word for hello. Like we have hello, hi, howdy, how are you doing? There's lots of options. And so your, your vocabulary actually limits how you think in some way. So if there's, your language doesn't have a lot of vocabulary, man, you are so good at getting me distracted. <laughs> but you were right. We have lots of words for love, but we don't use them. So when we're talking about knowing God, I'm going to introduce a word to you that usually teenagers feel revulsion toward. And that is theology. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I want you to think about theology this way. Theo, like God. Theology, the study of. Geology, you know, all those things. But I want you to think about it this way. Let's say, um, let's say I am a girl <laughs> who is completely obsessed with Ben. And I know this girl is out, here, out there completely obsessed and she devotes her life to Benology the study of Ben right so let's let's think about theology this way not like geology let's study some rocks but like Benology or Christology or Boazology Um, man I like doing that with names Let's think about it that way, because you're studying a person, and it's like when when you are—I don't know how many of you have crushes on people, or, or if you're obsessed with people, or whatever. But like, think about that person that you really like, and devoting yourself to studying what they like, what they don't like, who they are, what defines them. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about um, theology. Not is this an igneous rock, or you know, like it's—it's it's not fact; it's a person, <laughs> like. That's what we're talking about. And I want you to think about theology that way. I have a short video for you. It's kind of a promo video for this book that came out recently called Dug Down Deep. And it is about... It's, I'll tell you more about the book in just a second. Um, but it relates to this idea of theology and what we mean when we talk about
That's great, by the way. say it. Um, when we're talking about theology, when we're talking about knowing God, you have to know God first before you can love Him. There's no other choice. So how do we know about God? That rhetorical question. How do we know about God? So the Bible? And what other way? There, I think there's two main ways that the Bible tells us that we can know God. Read the Bible. There's two ways that God reveals Himself in His Word and in creation. Um, by itself, creation isn't enough to, to, to really understand every depth, the depth of God's character. But um, the Bible is very clear that from creation we can understand that there is a God and we can understand some things about Him. And then we have the Bible to tell us more. We're not just left wondering. And I often pray, and I, I, you guys hear me, I thank God, thank you for revealing who you are. You didn't just set us down here and say, okay, you guys figure it out. Right? And he, he gave us his word so we can know who he is. So we can know him. And when we know him, we can love him. So we've got to know him. We have to know him first. We know him by reading the Bible. And it's not... Again, it's not, it doesn't have to be like dissecting a frog, like the video said. It doesn't have to be dry and lifeless. It is like studying the sunset, like studying the person you love. That's what loving and knowing God can be like. It doesn't have to be this dry stuff. And you know, sometimes, sometimes it is like that. Like, um, when, when I first got to know Rachel, for example, like, 
there are certain things that, like, you just got to ask questions and say, you know, well, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? Now, for every question, especially, like, before we get married, like, how, how many kids do you want to have? You know, things like that. Those aren't, like, as soon as she says, I want to have four kids, I'm like, oh, four kids, yes! Yeah. You know, like, it's not, like, every detail about what she's saying to me, everything she does is going to be, like, enrapturing to me. Um, but those things, those small things, they teach me about who they are. I think specifically about the book of Leviticus, that you read the book of Leviticus, and there's all kinds of weird stuff in there that you don't even want to know about. But it's important because when we look at it, we understand it, it shows us who God is, even through his laws. His laws are given not just to tell people what to do, but to show people who he is. And we take those things, we have like this thing called the Judeo-Christian moral, morals or ethic, um, well, basically, it's built into our culture, our society. Maybe not so much for Chinesees, but <laughs> but um, it's built into our society in America to just assume certain things about right and wrong because of the the Bible as the basis for law and things like that. But when you look into it, when you really see what it's about, it reveals so much about who God is, and it's knowing Him. And, and again, not every detail is going to be great. Like when we study the New Testament. Again, not everything where you're like, this letter was written in 68 AD, that's amazing! You know, like, but it's all about putting in the time and effort to understand so that you have that in the background. So then when you read it, you're like, I understand what he is saying about God. God has given me this so that I can know him. Number two, we must uh, know God to love him. So we know him by reading the Bible. How do we show that we love God? So now the question is, we know God, and hopefully we're loving Him. We'll get to that and how we grow in love in just a second. But how do we show that we love God? Like, I show Rachel that I love her by being nice to her, um, hopefully, by buying her flowers, by doing things for her, by saying I love her. Um, there's lots of ways that we can show love for God. But John is so helpful on this point. He says, this is love for God, First John 5, 3-4, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. Now, like, this, this verse is like, uh, his commands are burdensome, yeah, right. But here's how you need to think about it. Um, again, going back to a relationship with someone, let's say it's your friend. Now, if you, if you love your friend, or you even like your friend, um, it's not that you necessarily... Uh, on the from human to human level you're not going to change the very basis of who you are for them but if you know like for example if your friend hates it when you like whistle in the car you're not like like all the time like every time just to make them mad like you do everything that makes them mad just to do it right like all the really what Who's your terrible friend? Oh, that's, that's like inconsequential, though. Let's say that. that um, let's say that your friend really hates it when you make racist comments, and so you're always making racist comments. Do you love your friend? Are they even your friend? No. You demonstrate contempt for them in everything that you do. <laughs> Getting off track on the example, Chris. Stop it. Um, in, it's this way with God. He's given us commands to reveal who He is, to say, I want you to be more like me because it's what you were created to be. To be more like me. 
here's how you do it. And when we just ignore them, we show contempt for God. And yet it says, this is love for God, to obey His commands. His commands are not burdensome. Now this is, again, this is like the crazy phrase, His commands aren't burdensome. Immediately made me think of this uh, passage in Psalm. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the, the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And this is like one of those where like, like a new Christian, you're like, awesome. <laughs> like, this is like the prosperity teaching thing. We're like, you delight in God, and He'll give you whatever you want. Is that what that psalm is saying? No. It's saying it's like a circle. If the first part needs to be the first part, if you delight in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. Why? Because if you're delighting in the Lord, you want the same things He does. When you delight, your heart changes, and you start wanting the things that He wants. And so it's not burdensome. Psalm 37 4. It's not burdensome to, to do His commands because your heart is changing. And so it's like a circle. You see His command, you say, I want to love you, God, so I'm going to do this. And so you do it. And eventually, at first, yeah, maybe it seems burdensome. It's a hard thing to do. But after a while, you realize it's like we've been talking about the suffering thing. It says our light and momentary troubles are not worth comparing with the, the joy in store, basically. It's the same thing in life. These light, stupid things we talked about um, last time, what the world offers, those decoys, lures, and useless prizes. When you look at who God is, when you compare it, it's not even worth comparing them. And so He changes your insides. So when you delight, when you want to do His command, when you want to love Him, it's not burdensome. And the Bible says, this is, how, this is love for God. It's that you follow His commands. It says, if anyone does not follow His commands and says that they love God, he's a liar. Like, John goes around throwing out, out that word a lot. He's like, liar, 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 liar. <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to, to joke around with you guys. I need to tell you the truth. If you say this, you say you love God and you don't follow His commands, you're a liar. Don't deceive yourself. If you say that you're completely without sin, you're a liar. <laughs> if you say that you love God but you hate your brother, you're a liar. That's what John's saying. He says, this is love for God, to follow His commands, to want what God wants. And how do we do that? By knowing Him. We know Him. We know His Word. We know who He is. We know what He wants. And we do it. That's how we show that we love God. So, measurable, right? Go back to what I said at the beginning. You come away from a great sermon or a worship time or whatever, and you're like, my application is, I don't want to love God more. Is it measurable? I think it is. It is measurable. Can you, can you have like a little emo- emotion meter inside of you that's going up? Oh, I love God so much. Um, not exactly. It's hard to measure emotions. But can you measure the outworking of those emotions? If you just love in your heart, it never goes in your actions. It's really, your actions are your proof of love for God. Um, and so, following His commands. Um, now, last of all, this is uh, the big question. So how do we grow in love of God? And what I mean by this is, how do, we, how do we love God more? And I think this is so important. It's easy to get centered on this, and then it's easy to go the other way and say, the feelings aren't important. I think it's important to feel love for God. I do. I think it's so important because if we spend our entire lives and never feel that joy, never feel that love for God, then our lives are just going to be like empty. Um, 
And so I think it is important. So how can we grow in our love for God? How can we grow in those feelings? And this is like um, the way I, I was thinking about this. Um, you guys heard of that book, The Secret? It's like on the bestseller list last year. It has like this little seal on the front that it says The Secret. Allow me to, to read you the back of the book. It says, Fragments of a great secret have been found in oral traditions and literature, in religions and philosophies throughout the century. For the first time, all the pieces of the secret come together in an incredible revelation that would be life-transforming for all who experience it. In this book, you'll learn how to use the secret in every aspect of your life, money, health, relationships, happiness, and in every interaction you have in the world. You'll begin to understand the hidden, untapped power that's within you, and this revelation can bring joy to every aspect of your life. The secret contains wisdom from modern-day teachers, men and women who have used it to achieve health, wealth, and happiness. By applying knowledge of the secret, they bring to life compelling stories of eradicating disease, acquiring massive wealth, overcoming obstacles, and achieving what many would regard as impossible. And then if you open up on the inside, it says, Leonardo da Vinci knew the secret. Like, it's got all this of all these people who knew the secret. And then it's so lame. Like you're expecting it to be after you read the back. You're like, wow, this is going to be amazing. Like when I open this book, light will shine out of it. Um, and then it turns out that the secret is positive thinking. And I'm not joking. It's like the biggest disappointment in the world. This is going to change my life. Oh. <laughs> like, it's your fault when bad things happen to you because you're not thinking positive enough. That's basically the book. That's awesome. I hate inspirational writers. It's crap. Um, well, here's the thing. This happens all the time. I just like I hate that book without ever having read it. I hate Christian books that do the same thing because there's like all these books that are like three steps to getting your relationship right with God, five steps to blah blah blah, and it's like, <coughs> it's, you know, um, I love this blog. It's called Stuck Christians Life. I don't know. I've brought it up before. He had this great post where he took inspirational self-help books from the store and Christian books and um, took the blurbs off the back and he mixed them up into a quiz and you had to say which ones you thought were from the Christian books and which ones you thought were from the non-Christian books. It was like impossible. Um, and it was like the same thing. We like say, Jesus, we'll give you flat abs. You know, like all this stuff. Just do these steps and, and then you will feel God's love more than ever before and you'll be rich and you'll be successful and blah, 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 blah. It's crap. So... This is the secret. I'm going to tell you the secret. And it's not such a big secret. It's going to be disappointing to you. About how do you grow in love with God? How do you feel more in love with God? And it's this. We, we fall more in love with God. We know God more by committing to the long run. God, a love for God, is not an infatuation or a crush. It's a commitment. So back to the top. What is love? Um, the big blank at the bottom if you're doing the notes the first one is we must know God to love him how how do we show we love God how do we grow in love with God and there's a blank at the bottom commitment is the foundation of love love is the commitment to live life as God defines it in relation to God and to others so what does this mean yeah the big secret how do I grow in love with God it's not a secret you've got to commit you've got to do the hard work every day of spending time with God now, it takes discipline, and we are disciplined about the things we love. I love loss. <laughs> ben loves loss, too. I also, yes, I did. I also <laughs> love, my, my shows that I really, really love are House, 
Tomas and the Mendel. I really like Mendel's I, I do like Vitamin. Heroes. Anyway, those are the ones, in, <laughs> and you all know, if there's a show that you love, unless you, unless you guys like have TiVo or whatever, well, even if you have TiVo, if you don't have TiVo, you're, you're pretty committed to be like, Lost is on 9 o'clock Tuesday night. What? 10? No, 9 to 10, yeah. You're there. You're there to watch it. If you have TiVo, you've got it in there, and you're like, I'm going to watch it. Or you get on Hulu. The point is, you're going to watch it because you love the show. You're disciplined about it. Why? Because you love it. Lost is confusing and, in a lot of ways, ultimately kind of dumb because you never know what's going on. You will. Right. You will. But, yeah, you will. There's a promise that you will know what it's all about. But the point is, I love Lost, and I'm there, and I'm sitting down, and I'm ready to watch it. I'm committed to discipline myself to be there to watch Lost, and if I miss it, to watch it later, because I like Lost. Am I that committed to being in God's Word, to know Him more? Am I committed to keeping, to, to continue doing that when the study is hard, when I don't feel like I'm learning that much, and I feel like it's just facts? That's what it's about. Love is a commitment. Again, it's not an infatuation, it's not a crush. You can feel emotions for God, but... It's, it's, it's not that way it's not like the oh I feel like this all the time now I, I was thinking about it it's like my marriage to Rachel is not the same as like some of you having a boyfriend or girlfriend is it because I have feelings of love for her more no maybe even in a lot of ways that might not be true but I made a commitment to Rachel that I will love her even when we fight like we don't like split up we um, even when like she does things I don't like or whatever or even we're just living life together do I feel uh, do I wake up every day and feel like this upsurge of butterflies in my stomach saying I love her so much you know no someday oh. no I don't <laughs> and anyone who tells you that they feel that way every day is crazy lying <laughs> they are a liar that's what John would tell them um it's not that way, but commitment is the foundation of our relationship. It's the foundation of, of our love. And I show my love for her in that I'm always trying to know her better, to find out what she likes, what she doesn't like. And then I commit to do that. And that's what it's like with God. Like, over time, yes, I'm going to feel those emotions. If I make her happy, it makes me happy. And not just because... She makes me feel good. Like, I know, I remember what it was like very clearly. My, when I was first became a Christian, I felt so much joy. I felt so changed. And I liked how God made me feel inside. Because it changed me. But ultimately over time, like, yes, that's so important. But really, it's, it's been about, it's, I was really selfish. And now it's turned into more like, what can I do to please God? How can I love Him more? And it's all about discipline. So that's the secret, the big disappointing secret. How can you grow in love with God? How can you feel those feelings more? How can you go deeper with Him? By taking the time to do it. That's, that's the big secret. Everyone knows, like, being faithful every day, what we just talked about in that sermon. It's all about being faithful every day and, and making God that important thing, understanding who He is, having that perspective. Um, and what this means practically is... Uh, question, what specific commands do you struggle with of God? 
So let's say God wants you to do this, and you just really struggle with it. Or you struggle with something that distracts you from God. What is it? Write it down. And make a plan for how you can change that. Let's say um, you really struggle with pornography. There is, there is a lot of options um, for that. And I think that there's a really great solution that um, I have been using just to protect myself. It's called X3 Watch. What it does is it doesn't block things. It never blocks any site, but it emails every objectionable site you visit to people that you call it to email. So like it goes to my college roommate. Um, and he, I know if I go anywhere, he will know. Or your parents will know. You can set it to be whatever. And so it's not about removing the temptation completely. It's still there. But you learn to train yourself to say no. Say no to ungodliness, as it says in Titus. And so it's not just like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And as soon as I figure out the way to kind of hack and get around it, then we're back in business. No, like, <laughs> it's connecting you to other people. And it's helping you to not just remove the temptation, but to say no to it. So that's for that. There's also another one that I use all the time. I really struggle with wasting time mm-hmm. um, searching for things on the Internet that are good and, and interesting, mm-hmm. but not necessarily as focused as I need to be. So I use something called Leech Block that basically blocks Google from the hours of, like, when I'm not taking lunch, basically. And it reroutes me to BibleGateway.com. <laughs> and so you can set it, and you can even make it so you can't access the options to turn it off during the times that things are blocked, and all kinds of stuff. What do you really need it to screw? Yeah, it's true. Well, that's but what you, you block the things you need. But you have Bing now. What? Bing. Oh, yeah. Well, um... Well, here's, <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing about it. All your solutions, all your solutions can't be technological. The reason why I mentioned that one, especially, is that they can't all be technological. You can't just rely on technology to stop you. It's about people. And in that regard, I encourage you, get in an accountability partnership. And this is what I, I was like talking about with my college roommate. Someone where you can say, and you can share with them, honestly, and you don't have to worry about impressing them with how godly you are or disappointing them, because we all know that everyone struggles. And you can say to them, you know what, this week I messed up big time. And can you help me? Someone that you can be honest with, share those things. And, and I, you know, the big two are like accountability partnerships, like someone your age that you go to, and you can be honest because you're not afraid. And then also mentoring relationships with adults. And sometimes this is harder. And I want you guys to always know, you can come to me about anything. You can share anything with me. I'm not going to, like, judge you. I was a teenager, too, and I messed up big time. I really screwed myself up when I was a teenager because of mistakes that I made. So I'm not going to be like, boy, that was idiotic. Why'd you do that? Like, I have had the experience of idiocy. Um, And, like... There's just no point in trying to impress each other when it's about loving God and knowing God better. So, again, commitment is the foundation for love. What can come away with this? Know God's work. Get in His work. And if you struggle with understanding what it means, ask me. Ask someone. Learn. And you will learn to love God more. And think about what are the commandments you struggle with? What can you work on? And let's come up with a plan to help you with those things.